Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello there. Welcome to this episode 217 of the Material Podcast, going out strictly and straight to our friends in Springfield, Illinois, Urbana and Champaign. All of you, U of I people just moving into your dorms right now. Freshmen, that's okay. You've left your old lives behind. You're no longer the nerds, dweebs, wasteoids, or second cast sort of people. You can reinvent yourselves in this brand new, thrilling campus environment. And with us, of course, is our other host, Florence Iron. Hello, Flu. Hi, I'm Florence Ion, and I am not a freshman. Mm. Although I do remember being a freshman and how new the world seemed outside (laughs) of high school. Man, college was the best. I really, I had a great time in college, just... As an aside, um, high school was terrible for me. I was definitely, it was not quite an in kid, but I was not quite an out kid. I was always just kind of in the middle, which makes it really awkward because you don't really know like where you belong. Anyway, how are you, Andy? (laughs) Pretty good in that I'm once again in a public library that has ample air conditioning (laughs) Well, that's nice. I'm in in a different – actually, I'm in a different part of the library because my usual room was already booked. uh, And uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like a really sort of cozy little cell in which um, they have these – like they have these like desks, these modular desks like you have at school with where Mm. each one is like a trapezoid. And I think they've set set this up so that normally it could be like a – uh, like a tutoring sort of like area, uh, but I've rearranged the desks so that I have like sort of a mega desk L shaped configuration with like the podcasting stuff on one desk. It really, it really does look like a cable TV talk show desk sort of thing uh, over here. So I'm pretty happy, mostly because of the air conditioning, though. Well, that's nice. Underneath me, I have uh, an ant trap. <laughs> Sorry, everyone out there who really cares about ants. No, no, no. Because... See, it's a trap. It's their trap. You're, it's, you're trapping them humanely. And no, then I'm ta- not. Taking They're them actually to like being an poisoned. insect rehabilitation clinic if they mm. need any medical attention, and then no, releasing no, no. them, trying to put them, try, trying to locate their original tribe or herd so that uh, they can resocialize. That's definitely not happening. They're and bringing the poison of, back to the queen. In the case <laughs> of gonna... orphaned ants, you're, uh, you're basically keeping them in captivity, uh, cared for very, very well at a wildlife facility where they can be used as wildlife educators, or as they say, wildlife ambassadors to visiting students to learn about this, our fragile ecosystem. Yeah, no, they're poisoning their queen. Okay, <laughs> that's, well, that's fine. <laughs> Down with the queen. Um, I'm sorry, everyone well, that's, out well, there. That, that's fine. You know, if this is it's a it's a good return to like the basics of royal families and royalty. Like right now, like what does it even mean to be a queen or a prince? Like with, even with the British royal family, like the Elizabeth II is really the only real like garden variety. This is what we hope for like royalty uh, that we got. This is your, your approach is bringing it right back to the days where if you are the queen, you are not necessarily living in comfort. You could expect to have your followers, your your loyal subjects bringing you poison at any given moment. And if you are successfully poisoned, that would be an indication that one of your, in the Ants case, 
2,000 sisters or brothers should be the rightful uh, sitter of that crown, occupier of that crown to begin with. So, And you thought the English monarchy was complicated. Mm. Oh, no, folks. Ants are inbreeders um, as well. They don't, they don't have that moral compunction. None at all, which is why they go through my trash. Just kidding. <laughs> Ugh. It's also why they're okay. Off of you need to talk because I keep insulting ant lovers and freegans. So I'm just <laughs> I'm not doing well on this podcast today. Hmm. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell. Uh, it's uh, okay. Andy's story time here is a. Uh, over the weekend, I was at uh, the uh, former Boston Comic Con, now Fan hey, Expo. Boston. Did you see Boy Meets World there? By the way. Um. I wasn't watching much television. Uh, I did get to no, meet William Daniels. No, did you Daniels. see the cast? Yes. I, I, well, specifically, I met William Daniels, who uh, – but in my case, I wasn't so much meeting the, like, teacher from Boy Meets World. I was meeting John Adams from the musical and movie 1776 and slightly – Wait, you met Mr. Feeney. Um, I met John Adams from 1776. <laughs> I also uh, met da- Dr. Craig from St. Elsewhere. These are these are these are my William Danielses. Okay. I well, did, I did have the former uh, one of those sign my cast album of 1776, my an LP of ah, 1776. Wow, I bet you he would he appreciated that, like not being called Mister Feeney from across. <laughs> but see, you know, it was it was such an egalitarian line. The the only if, if you've never been to like a modern Comic Con, there's usually like if you imagine like the the convention being like a department store, there's a whole department for like celebrity autographs. And usually with a big, like a big convention, like uh, one that's run by FanCon, they get in like huge, huge, huge stars and voice actors and all kinds of people because they know that they're going to be bringing in like a very, very wide variety of people. And so uh, you can line up like before <laughs> before they they show up to to, to sign uh, to, to sign uh, uh, autographs and meet people, uh, and so the only li- I got there as soon as the convention opened on Sunday because it was the only time I was going to be available to like wait in the line. The only line that was longer than William da- William Daniels's was John Travolta's. Now, and, and admittedly, that was it was longer by a much by a wide, wide, wide margin. But still, if we lop uh, if we lop uh, John Travolta off of the top of the list, n- the distance between number two and it was definitely number two, William Daniels. Then number three was an unnamed Time Lord because I don't want to you know make this into a popularity contest. But I was very, very pleased that when he arrived, he saw a line that like snaked. You're talking about Doctor Who. <laughs> so I see, I need these a references. Doctor, a Doctor Who, yes, it, the, one of them. One okay. of the doctors. He's not. A, he's not. Name is isn't Doctor Who. He is the Doctor. Even though okay. there's like twelve or thirteen of them, and it wasn't until like a, uh, it was like a, I waited. Uh, the his handlers said he was probably going to be there at like ten thirty. I was there a little after like nine, like nine ten, and I was third in line. By the time uh, Mr. Daniel showed up, the line was like really long. I like snaked around a little bit, and it wasn't until then that I realized that oh, that's right because. If you if you were a kid in the '90s, you grew up with Boy Meets World. If you're a kid in the '80s, you grew up with Knight Rider, and he was the voice of Kit. Yes. If you're yes. like a crossover kid, like you grew up in the '80s, but you're also kind of hip in the '70s. Like, well, okay, I'm trying to figure out when did I see 1776 for the first time. I probably, 
mm, probably like 1980, 1980. Uh, no, I think I saw an A. Uh, okay, regardless, I was like in like middle school, like at the time, and uh, so that probably early 80s. But then that would be like adults who were like uh, saw him in the movies in the 19 in 1972. So there was a lot of people in that line of all kinds of ages. So I'm not, I, uh, I that don't. That is a testament to his career, yeah, exactly, by the way. Too. The fact that he was able to span three separate generations, uh, probably fourth, because I'm sure the late millennials and Gen Z are learning about Boy Meets World from their parents who are my age. Because, <laughs> you know, it's it's a very family-friendly show. It's eternal as well because you can one could one from your generation could probably like show VHS like the Wonder Years, of, yeah. which <laughs> is also his brother. Uh, Fred Savage was in Wonder Years, and Ben Savage. I love how we start this podcast every week. By the way, with just like the utmost of uh, Flo and Andy's collective pop culture knowledge, like span. You know what we we need to start entering a different genre for this podcast because this is this is a. <laughs> This is a menagerie. This is a a double uh, a, a double tagged podcast here. Okay, <laughs> pop culture and tech at the intersection. We've got we've got uh, uh, cross demographic appeal, but actually, oh, one hundred percent, yes. But, but, but continue actually, your story. <laughs> but actually, this this is this is not. I don't have to use my uh, has nothing to do with Google card for this. They can because I bring it up. Uh, well, not only to oh, brag that I met William Daniels around. and I have. <laughs> Not only can I brag about getting the getting his autograph on my cast album of 1776, but also, so um, I was moderating panels with uh, comic book writers and artists. Uh, stopped by the table of one of those artists, like the afternoon after I moderated his panel, to say, "Oh, thanks for being on the panel. I think that went really well." And we chatted, and he knew that I was uh, like a technology journalist, and so he wanted to talk to me about uh, uh, about. YouTube's algorithms and why uh, why the Russian version of the FCC was upset with what? YouTube for attempting to manipulate quote unquote uh, <laughs> the like Russian are elections. literally our podcast last week? No, 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 no. This was I. I was no. He uh, uh, we were he, he knew as a tech tech guy, so we were so he wanted to. He was curious about this topic. Uh, I think I mentioned it because everyone was late. <laughs> and like the I was I was there 15 minutes early. The audience was on time. The three artists that were participating were like 10 minutes late. So I had to basically da, 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 tap dance, tap, tap dance, tap dance. And so it was, we're talking about technology stuff. And he ah, happened to okay. so he happened to hear part of it. So I found myself like really t- without knowing whether he was uh he was concerned about the possibility of YouTube and or Google filtering out certain messages, filtering out certain points of view. And so I kind of had to slip into my explaining journalist sort of mode without knowing, am, is he like one of these super, super conservative people who is very, very sure that Google is full of liberals that are trying to silence conservatives? Or is he in that spectrum of just people who are concerned about the power that Google has generally and whether he agrees with conservatives or not would would not approve of any uh, any entity as powerful as Google controlling access to information? And so I 
spent the good 10, 15 minutes trying to explain how the algorithms work in general and that it, how difficult it would be for Google to insert any bias that would be undetectable by an outside party and also keep it from wow. its employees that are very, very vocal about like <laughs> so go, taking taking the arguments outside the family dinner table, so to speak. Uh, and so but he did, it's it, it went OK. No, I, I don't think I don't think it was a very pleasant conversation. It wasn't him trying to. Uh, it wasn't him trying to like, I don't know, this is just my excuse to talk about why, why non-whites all smell funny. Like, no, 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 it wasn't anything as like as bad as that, but it was, he did, he did bring up like Dennis Prager's 10 commandments videos that got deleted. And again, I, it was just hard for me to figure out where he was, uh, where, where he was coming from with his questions. I, I was very relieved to find that he wasn't setting me up for a big argument. But he was, I was just about to say, yeah. This is this is always a, a risk we take when we bring these things up, eh? <laughs> yes. Uh, even with our beloved celebrities, well, at least you didn't talk to Mr. Feeney about it, because <laughs> I didn't need that on today's podcast. I didn't need that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, you know the high school in Boy Meets World was John Adams High. I bet that was and an inside before that John Adams Middle School, there so it stayed John Adams. <laughs> just. More trivia for all of those out there. And Dr. Craig and his wife uh, during St. Elsewhere visited Philadelphia and he uh, because they both Mm -hmm. went to they met at when they were students at Penn, you see. And so he's (sighs) saying it's hot as hell in Philadelphia. Delighting, absolutely delighting. A very, very young Andy Anatko, who is also a fan of St. Elsewhere. This is also just another example of how uh, small the the TV writing world is in any given like block of 10 years. I feel like every 10 years, it's just like a generation of folks that come out and all do things. And so that's why there's all these references. Again, somebody needs to reclassify this podcast as a Google and pop culture over the decades podcast. Cause I think that's some niches there that need speaking to. Well, uh, is there anything uh, you'd like to share before our Gimpy Gimpy Bush experiment? I have nothing update? to share. Okay. I have nothing, <laughs> nothing to share. I've just been living my life, collecting on cash, planning, pla- uh, planning some upcoming uh, idealism work trips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm planning on going down to L.A., locking myself in an Airbnb and writing for a couple of days. Um, on an undisclosed project, so not, not exactly a freezing Garrett, but no, this this, this isn't ex- exactly La Boheme either. So yeah, it's okay. Los Angeles is six hundred miles away, or excuse me, four hundred miles away, six hours away. It's not a big deal to go down there, and I just need to change the scenery, and uh, and I have friends down there, mm-hmm. so you know, it gives <laughs> gives you an excuse to kind of. Plus, I'm I'm one of those people that like goes off on herself for a couple of days and just sits with her mind and her feelings. So everybody knows how existential I am. <laughs> and I bring that attitude to my work as well. You got a big hot, you got I a big try. hot flow. I try. 
So let's uh, before we go to our first ad, let's we have to update everybody on our gimpy gimpy bush experiment. Uh, you, uh, I saw you put this in the notes, and I started laughing. <laughs> no, no, I'm 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 sticking. I'm determined just to to see this one through. Uh, as listeners will recall, two weeks ago, Google expanded uh, Google search to include podcast episodes. And so we laid a little experiment into that uh, into that episode in which I spoke for about five to ten minutes about the gimpy gimpy bush or gimpy gimpy tree, one of the most toxic leaves you will ever uh, you will ever encounter. As in people have described like like if it, this leaf brushes against your leg, it is like being shot with acid. It is so bad. Uh, and so what I wanted to figure out is is Google searching the contents of just like the, the the little descriptions that are like bundled with the uh, with the uh, with the uh, podcast episode, or is it able to actually look at the audio, convert that to text, and make that text like sort of searchable? Uh, so uh, Flo was writing the show notes. Flo did not in any way put any text in this whatsoever that a text-based search could possibly ping to. And my uh, my experiment is to see how long it will take, if ever, for this uh, for this podcast to come up in a Google search for podcast about the gimpy gimpy bush. So uh, this last week, we didn't even find much on anything. Reserve. The, the gimpy gimpy stuff sort of exploded this time. Uh, this week, we got, there were five hits in a uh, search for the gimpy gimpy bush podcast. Uh, one was a, a uh, epic podcast episode titled Gimpy Gimpy Live. Uh, another was a podcast, a branch out podcast, uh, quote, uh, titled Deceptive and Dangerous Stingers. Uh, the Acid Pop podcast, uh, which mentioned an episode that mentioned the Gimpy Gimpy in a URL of the show description. Uh, another show called Caustic Soda Killer Plants, which mentions the Gimpy Gimpy in the show descriptions. Uh, we have concerns podcast Leaf In Alone, ditto. Now, Four of those five did mention the Gimpy Gimpy in uh, the show description that is visible to me. However, the Branch Out podcast, that the July 30 episode, does not mention the Gimpy Gimpy bush anywhere. So I don't know how significant that is. Uh, perhaps the fact that it is entitled Deceptive and Dangerous Stingers, that really is, if you're really going to be thinking about Deceptive and Dangerous Stingers and, and you're going to like rule out uh, either uh, in, either insects or very very like badly poured bar drinks. Uh, it really is going to be the gimpy gimpy bush. So might, they might have been guessing about it, but so we have some evidence, not conclusive yet. We will continue this experiment until our government grant goes out, of course. Uh, just as a as an aside, usually what I do is I write little notes to myself in my little notebook while we are recording the podcast, so I know when I do the show notes. Um, what order things happened in. And I have written down uh, to mention Gimpy Gimpy in the show notes this week. So we shall see next week if your thesis or your uh, hypothesis, hypothesis, hypothesis <laughs> rings true. <laughs> Sorry. Just we, so, so we have, so we'll see which one, which episode they actually sort of like uh, uh, zone in on. So. Yes, and okay. how far back those archives go. Yes, because now now we have two episodes in which no mention has been placed in the, in the show notes. Episode two one seven, the University of Illinois episode, is going to be the one that is tagged with Gimpy Gimpy Bush. 
Do I have to mention the University of Illinois in this one too? Should we like, uh, you know what? I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to write down a note here and you'll have to. Ooh, out it's du- a double blind. This is scientific <laughs> as all heck. Uh, ad time? Ad time, I think. This episode of Material is brought to you by ExpressVPN. When you're preparing to travel abroad this summer, there will be a lot of things on your checklist. There's one very important thing that's missing from that checklist. One app that's going to keep you safe and secure online while you're away. ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN doesn't just encrypt your data while you surf the internet on public airport and hotel Wi-Fi. It lets you stream and access content that normally would have been blocked in that country. So you can unblock all your favorite websites and browse, just as if you were at home. With ExpressVPN, powerful encryption secures your data. It's super easy to use, and it runs in the background. Just download the app, click to connect, and you're protected. It uses new cutting-edge technology called Trusted Server to make sure there are no logs of what you're doing online. And it costs less than 7 bucks a month and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. I use ExpressVPN on my Android device, my Chrome OS device, and on my Windows device because there's an app for all platforms. And it's very easily integrates and it's seamless so that even when I am on the go, I don't have to worry about whether or not I can get my VPN set up. So don't travel this summer without downloading ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash material. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash material for three months free with a one-year package. Go there now. It's one thing off your summer checklist. Expressvpn dot slash material. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of Material and all of Relay FM. Okay, well, a certain sociological problem uh, bonded with technology seems to have reached critical mass, and that is the uh, ostracization in society, or at least in the United States and the UK, of those of us with Android phones who appear in uh, iPhone message apps, uh, text bubbles, as green text bubbles. And there has been a lot of coverage for some reason over the past couple weeks about uh, how horrible uh, a social stigma that is. When an iPhone user uh, gets into uh, when you when an i uh, an Android user like us gets in touch with an iPhone user, sends them a message, and then they say, "Ooh, you so this you were so nice life. when I met you at the party last night, but I see that you're a green bubble. Now we can now I must burn my phone and forget that I ever met you." This is literally my real life because often there's a group text going around, "I'm the only one who is the green bubble." And so because I message lets you like things, um, I'll, I'm the one that gets the repeated message of so and so liked. Here's the full message. Yeah. So and so liked. Here's the full message. So and so laughed at. Here's the few. Here's the whole message. And it's okay on my end. Like I don't mind it. But the worst is when they send like an actual piece of media through because Android reads it as an MMS on our end, mm-hmm. and so it will have trouble. Android messages will often have trouble parsing that MMS. So if you're sending like a video, I will get it in a separate message in a very, very uh, low quality file so that I I can't actually really see what's, it is, it is annoying. It, it is annoying and it's not fair. I, I don't think it's fair. I, I think it's totally ridiculous. And um, when I saw that you put this in the, in the show notes, I got, I, I know this is about being a green bubble, but I turned into a red bubble because <laughs> it made me, 
Because it's just, it's it's BS, okay? I'm just going to say it. It is. And, and unfortunately, no one saw your angry unicorn anim- uh, Samsung Animoji because it would not have come across correctly right, in iMessage. Right. So uh, Fast Company wrote about this. We have two two pieces particularly, Fast Company and the New York Post, di- diverse sources to be sure. Uh, Fast Company had a piece called, quote, Why We Don't Want You and Your Android Green Bubbles in Our iMessage Chat. Uh, and was inspired mostly by a uh, uh, Twitter thread by uh, analyst Ben Bajaran. Uh, that I that I saw before. I have to say, I saw it before it appeared in Fast Company. I'm I'm, I'm that hip and in tune. Okay, and what did you feel when you read that? Because that would have made me super angry well, let, let, if I had get, read that. Let, let's get to okay, what, okay. what he I'm actually sorry. said first. Uh, saying so, he's basically talking about like the life of his teenagers in high school and how kids are getting soft ostracized or hard ostracized uh, because they have Android phones and because uh, the, the high school kids, as much as uh, as much as like other society likes to make, oh, look, they're all on like the, the they're, they're all on this extremely weird like chat software. This No, they're usually using like stock <laughs> SMS and stock like messages and they're using group messages to talk about homework and to talk about really to everything that kids talk about uh, and uh, they're saying that specifically uh, telling specifically the story about uh, a kid that he knew from uh, one of his uh, kids uh, uh, schools that uh, he's a he's an Android user and he switched to iPhone uh, out of you know fear of missing out and other things uh, he uh, this is uh, Ben Bajaran saying when I asked him the kid why he made the jump he sounded a bit remorseful it all came down to being left out of group chats his quote verbatim quote we would start a new group chat and the group would realize I was the reason the chat was green and they would start another group chat without me unquote because and it was and it really wasn't and it wasn't because oh what a loser he's we don't want loser android person in there it's because the appearance of like a plain sms like a green bubble changes the features that are available to everyone in the chat so that now like all is... those so now, that all, so now I'm that, sorry. So now that a lot of the a lot of the uh, group features and like kicking people out and stuff like that, uh, they say don't uh, don't work as well uh, in messages uh, as well as a lot of like the fun stickers and stuff like that. So yeah, and but but there can be actual other actual ostracization. The New York Post piece quote uh, titled "Sorry, Android users, these iPhone snobs won't date you." And I enjoyed, I was intrigued and, and pleased by this because it really did say, uh, it put. It didn't put the blame on us for being Android users. It put the blame on iPhone users, in this case adults, for being colossal snobs. Uh, the uh, lot, Half of it is uh, talking to a Brooklyn resident and freelance designer, Katie McDonough, uh, who says, If it's not a blue message, I'm not going to bother flirting with you further. I'm just like, why don't you have an iPhone? Let's be honest. She's probably from the Midwest. So well, I, I don't know how to do it. This is bit. Brooklyn after all. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, exactly. and, I, and, and, I, and I will say that if you did want to cast somebody as an iconic, like, 20-something Brooklyner, the picture does look like a... 20 something yeah, Brooklyn in 2019 yeah which is not which is not that you can not to judge but I'm saying that if you're forming a picture of 
young person in Brooklyn. Sometimes a stereotype. There's some. There's some overlap. That's what I'm saying. She is missing a pack of American spirits. But anyway, <laughs> yes. The article <laughs> goes on. McDonough, who's 23, says she finds texting with Android users limiting for very specific reasons. She likes seeing the three dots that show when iPhone owners are typing the receipt confirming that a message has been delivered and the ability to react with messages with a ha ha or a heart. It's just a tiny off if she if they don't have an iPhone, she says. On Tinder, you message someone within the app for a while and then you exchange numbers. You're like, I hope it's blue, and it's a relief when it is. In college, her then this is the this is the kicker. In college, her then boyfriend switched from iPhone to Android and it made communication difficult, creating a rift between them. Their love could not overcome their smartphone differences. If there are Harlequin romance novels were still a thing, we would I would totally be writing one of these things. I think that was when our relationship started to go downhill, she says. So yeah, it was the phone. It wasn't like fundamental problems with your expectations of of surface uh, surface things about people. So I can understand this. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sitting over here. The wheels are turning in my head because I'm thinking. So on one end, I feel really I feel viscerally angry because for me, this is slightly. I mean, this just feels like a a silly exclusive thing. I think it's an extension of the way that people bully each other. I think that this is just a way for people to leave other people out and just have an excuse to do that. Uh, I do believe there's some of that at play here. Um, But in the example of the New York Post article, you know, I'm not of the generation, or rather, I should say, I I I have I'm not really into I don't I've never used a dating app. So I don't know what those forms of communication are like and communication has evolved so much I think about back to my day and my communication was message boards and instant messaging and text messages. And so I can imagine, you know, I had a boyfriend who was really he was just well, he was bad at communicating anyway, like just overall in the relationship, but he would not talk to me over text message. And, you know, when you're busy and that's kind of how you maintain correspondence between people, you want somebody to participate in that. So I could see where that rift would happen between an Android and iOS user. And then I think, well, okay, so we have Android messages that's supposed to help fix this with RCS, but it's not, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, cross-platform. This is just between Android users. So it doesn't, so while I get the three dot uh, benefit with my friends who are also on Android, which there are more these days than there used to be, mind you, mm-hmm. um, especially since the Pixel came out, I actually have a lot of friends who left the iPhone for the Pixel. Uh, I also, I, I also just think about, you know, why isn't there something easier? to go between platforms? Why isn't there a standardized messaging service? Why isn't this, knowing that communication is such an important part of technology, why isn't this a priority? Mm. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously concerned about uh, the situation in schools because kids, they are, they really do. It, it really is just a, on so, so you have all these all these people with brains that are still developing 
That's that why they, I get angry. And they're, they haven't learned empathy the way that you're supposed to learn it yet. Not because they're little rats, but because they're young, their brains are still developing. <laughs> and also they're thrown into these, this, these horrible environments where they are, they're, they're always going to be doubting themselves, are always going to be wondering, do they belong, do they not belong? And if there's a way you can easily ostracize other people and make sure that you're on the right side of that fence, then you're not going to be the one. It's, it's very easy for a kid to if you have an iPhone to not defend the kid with the Android phone, it's easy. And a lot of kids will make the mistake of saying, "Ooh, if I jump on in making fun of the Android kid, then they won't be making fun of me. Maybe that's my, in my best." And that's the sort of thing that really gets me worried. But the uh, the big thing, and and as far as like adults, it's like, look, if you're if you're going to be an idiot, I don't I don't like to associate with idiots anyway. So thank you for yeah, self. But we're adults. That's well, how we came to that. We had to grow into that mindset. Right. But so I mean, it's exactly so. So again, the difference between uh, high school kids doing it and adults doing it. But the the other thing is that I don't think that Apple. I really don't understand. I don't. I don't think that Apple has any. Uh, any any reason not to port mess- their messaging app and their messaging platform to Android that makes them that doesn't make them look bad because I've heard people yeah. def- I've heard people defend the one platform version of, of of messages by saying that oh well they're they're instantly going to be adding like a billion users to the system saying yeah and there are companies that aren't worth a trillion dollars that aren't aren't worth a quarter billion dollars that have achieved that that will make a multi-platform messaging service and can actually expand it and support it what's Apple's excuse. And well, what about uh, the difference in like multi multiple platforms and supporting all the different kinds of Android hardware? Like, A, that really hasn't been a thing for at least like <laughs> for, you know, and, and uh, since like the iPhone 3. Uh, and secondly, once again, tiny little companies that aren't worth a trillion dollars have solved this problem very, very well. Some of us are, are, some of them are our friends. We know very well that they can write an app that works well on all Android phones without much difficulty whatsoever. And given that they're trying to sell services to everybody who's coming, the, and the fact that they're willing to, they, that the iPhone uh, will work with Windows as well as it'll work with uh, with Macs. They are so that the iPad is also a multi-platform accessory. The fact that I'll, I mean, as an Android user, I've got I've got an iPad, I've got uh, a MacBook, I've got an iMac, I've got uh, a Mac Mini, but I've got an Android, which means that. I can get, I can, uh, I can have uh, iMessage com- messages conversations with everybody except for on the one place where it's probably most important for me to have it. So I really don't think that Apple has any excuse here. I think that uh, either they absolutely believe in lock-in, and they do- and they want to make it as hard as possible for someone to choose to leave the iPhone ecosystem. Because they and or they believe that the iPhone is a strong their their products are strong enough that people are not going to use oh well if I can get iMessages on on Android they're going to switch to Android as a reason to switch to Android so it it, it annoys the hell out of me when <sighs> Apple pulls crap like this. Yes, but this is how to solve phones. <laughs> yeah, and they, and they've been having it's so really, much problem. They've been having so many problems selling iPhones as well. 
Well, but that's the thing. They make a lot of money off of those devices more than they do services uh, the way that that other companies do. Uh, so it makes sense to try and continue to sell hardware. I see I see what's happening. And uh, I just think it's terrible for our children. <laughs> and this is just another way that capitalism has reared its ugly head in our society. So... <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to continue being a green bubble no matter how many times my friends yeah. complain at me. They do sometimes curse at me because because something will go awry in the in the messaging structure, but I my pictures look 10 times better than theirs do and I'm always the one that sends <laughs> out the pictures she took with her phone. So who's who's zooming who? Hmm? Two steps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh should we take a little ad break? Let's take before? another ad break, I think. Yeah, okay. This episode of Material is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. And you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode serves their customers with the help of 10 data centers across the globe. And they're about to add more. Mumbai, India, and Toronto, Canada will both have data centers before 2020. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors, meaning you're able to serve your customers even faster than before. And so you don't have to stress about overspending. Linode has designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing, with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services, such as backups and node balancers. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at 1 gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans, starting with 16 gigs of RAM. And Linode has a special offer for you. As a listener of this show, you can go to linode.com material and use promo code material2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gig of RAM plan, that's four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash material and promo code material2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Well, now uh, from ostracizing uh, teenage children to Google feeling the fire themselves, uh, Google, it turns out back in April, uh, stopped a program that uh, in the right before uh, Google I.O. <laughs> right before Google I.O. Uh, a program that in the hands of a yellow journalist or, you know, if, if there were anybody who is of an excitable nature on the Internet, I don't know. I've never met one uh, that could they could sort of inflame these fires of oh Google they all they're, they're just like they don't care about per, about privacy or personal information. Uh, what they they had this program called the Mobile Network Insights Program, which I had heard vaguely of, but I'd never heard of the name. Uh, where uh, you know when you opt in, quote unquote opt in, when you set up a new phone, saying, "Hey, is it okay to send like anonymized uh, data to Google that can be used to improve your service?" Like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, part of that uh, that uh, agreement was, "Hey, if you ever if you if uh, your phone is uh, having a hard time getting a signal." That will be part of a, a package of anonymous data we will provide to your carrier to tell them, hey, uh, this dude uh, outside of Boston in Waltham between the Dunkin' Donuts and the other Dunkin' Donuts, he was only getting like two bars of signal when he usually gets five bars of signal. So this was actually a useful 
thing, again, completely anonymized. It wasn't like giving you giving the carriers any other information, even though sometimes they were asking for it. It just tells it, the carriers are finding that super useful to find out that, OK, we got a dead spot right here. We need to either right. we need to change our architecture, change our, our, our power or build more antenna. It helped the uh, understandable, understandable data exactly. that is needed. So they decide uh, four uh, Google employees talk to Reuters, to Reuters, who got the uh, got the scoop here, say that the uh, Google uh, quietly ended the program back in April. And according to these four insiders, that Google was afraid of the blowback that would come from both customers and regulators if this program became public. Uh, so there's the PR problem that could again. Fly, oh look, they've been they've been Google. Do you understand? I don't know if you ever heard this phrase before, but if you're not the, if sometimes you're the product for Google. You're not the customer. Okay, thank you very much. Save the whales. No news. I haven't whatever. heard that one before. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, but but also that the, since they're since they're coming under increased scrutiny in the U.S., the EU, and other where. Uh, the uh, GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation of the EU, could have targeted this and said that this run of fouls of the GDPR by saying that the, the GDPR, one of the, part of it, the, the protections that it gives consumers is that a company like Google is not allowed to share consumer data without explicit approval, meaning you can't just have a blanket thing that we, uh, please, we'd like permission to uh, take your data and use it to improve the service. No, they would have to inform uh, the user that, hey, we want to take your data. One of the things we want to do with it is anonymize it and give it to carriers when they to fi- figure out where the bad coverage is. Uh, and also, uh, that's one way they, they could use it uh, correctly under the GDPR. Another one is uh, if they could make the defense that, no, no, we have a legitimate business need. We cannot provide this service without collecting this information. Uh, and so better to, if they ever get in trouble for this, to say that, oh, well, we we got rid of it even before anybody knew that it existed. Um, Reuters, uh, of course, got a uh, Google spokesman to comment on the record. Uh, they got uh, Google spokesman Victoria Keogh. Keo, uh, quoting the article here, confirmed the new mood, but declined to elaborate, saying only that changing quote product priorities were behind unquote were behind the decision. Uh, Google's notice to carriers when it shut down the service did not specify a reason. Two of those four people uh, told Reuters, uh, continuing the quote from the spokesperson, quote, we worked on a program to help mobile partners improve their networks through aggregated and anonymized performance metrics. We remain committed to improving network performance across our apps and services for users. So, okay, so it's yeah, I, I have to side with Google here that this was a good example of. Uh, before they before they became uh, they they fell under really tight scrutiny and tight responsibility for how they use user data. This is an obvious way that they can make things better for everybody by telling carriers your 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 coverage stinks at the Route 128 Amtrak stage Amtrak slash MBTA station in Westwood, Massachusetts. It is an absolute dead zone where commuters come and they wait for their trains, but as soon as they get to that platform, boom, you get no signal whatsoever. Even and your train is like forty minutes late, and you can do nothing but read whatever it is that you have one one book that you might have downloaded because it never would have occurred to you that a train station, Amtrak, and MBTA commuter rail would be a dead zone for AT and T. Okay, now this is this has gotten personal, I know, but 
again, I would. This is I, I, this is part of me arguing that this could be a positive thing for uh, for users everywhere. But again, if you don't want to get zapped by regulators, you probably have to be a lot careful of that sort of operation. I'm guessing they couldn't make it uh, opt in either because of the GDPR uh, yeah. particular uh, text. Yeah. Well, how, how, yeah. How do they do that? Because of all the, uh, there, uh, there's so many reasons why collecting your location data is going to be to your benefit or is going to be the key to making a service work really, really well. And are you going to have to ask every single time you figure out that, hey, we noticed that this phone does not, that uh, uh, we're having a hard time guessing where you are by Wi-Fi. Can we guess where you are by GPS? I know you've given us location permission, but does that blank? We don't know if that blanket permission allows us to also manipulate this information this way. So I'm I'm all for the GDPR. I'm uh, I've uh, I'm all for the United States deciding that companies like Google should have some legal responsibility to protect to be transparent about what they collect and how they use it. But I'm this is an example of oh dear. I hope that we don't get to have to strip our devices bare of useful things because companies are afraid of being prosecuted. I'm also okay with not having anonymized data being sent to a carrier so they could have better performance. I don't know. Maybe that's just me being a, a cynical uh, customer, but, you know, hire some researchers. <laughs> don't, put the, don't put the onus on me and my data. Like, leave me alone. That's a good point. Google also has these cars that are driving around everywhere. They could maybe, you know, pay a hundred bucks a month to have a phone from each of the major services inside that car. It is a data driven company. Exactly. You don't need my data. You could just, <laughs> you know what? Verizon should pay Google to do that work for them. Okay. <laughs> Instead of having me do it, piggybacking off of my experience. So that's just the flip side of it. But I, I know what you mean, Andy. It, it, this is, this is the thing with this particular conversation. It's like there's good and there's bad and, Ultimately, how do you, it comes down to how you feel about it. And so now I'm trying to take the harsh st- – I used to take the journalistic stance, you know, well, in this in this case. But now I try to think of it from the consumer stance of, don't, don't put that work on me. <laughs> like, I do enough work as it is. I, I, I don't – just go, go do your own work. You don't <laughs> – it's like the other day. It's just like you know, like I'm constantly, by the way, always having to opting into like giving my genetic information for research. I'm like, stop asking me for my blood for these things. <laughs> like just just let just test my blood in peace. Like what is anyway? <laughs> I say after I paid twenty three and me to basically put my data into their servers. <laughs> See, this is being a consumer now. I'm thinking about these more, though. I'm not just like, oh, cool tech. I'm like, oh, oh, because I don't know if we're really stopping and smelling the roses about what's happening with our data. A lot of people are just, well, you know, my data is going to go help that and make this uh, situation better. So what's the problem? I'm like, or my data is going to uh, sell me more ads. (laughs) And, you know, when when you really think about that, you're like, that's dirty. Anyway, to each their own. It, it is an individual thing, which is why it would be nice if it were an individual opt-in, opt-out. Uh, and that's kind of a bummer that they were doing it without the consent, the overall consent. 
just to just to even grab my anonymized data. Although I, yeah. I I think I have clicked opt in on location services before, knowing that my data was being used for something. So perhaps I already consented to it. Shrug. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. I'm it, shrugging it, on it, camera, it by the way, I'm, just so everybody knows. I'm I like I am terrified of what trouble I could get in twenty years from now because. A family member decide, got like a 23andMe test kit for for Christmas and decided to send it in. And, 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 and I don't mean that I've done awful things that I don't want to be caught for. I mean that I don't want to have in 20 years to have to like make sure that I can prove that I was no, nowhere in the state of Utah anytime, <laughs> anytime in between these months of, of, of 2019. <laughs> And if I can't prove that I wasn't in the state of Utah, between, <laughs> I can't prove that I wasn't there. Like, do I have to? Like, if it's, I just don't like algorithms that are really badly configured, but sold to a company or a public resource as a as a as a game changer. Deciding that, well, statistically, we've got the number of people that we that we incorrectly uh, uh, throw into prison down from forty three percent down to only seventeen percent. So, you got to be happy about that. No, not if I'm one of the seventeen percent, please. So, yeah. So we. we this is. Uh, I think that it's going to be part of a. <laughs> If whatever we do to fix the situation of uh, Americans, at least having absolutely no rights <laughs> against uh, data collection and against large companies like Google, I hope that part of the solution is to see every single piece of data that's being collected and and being where it's being marketed to, what part, what programs it's being used with. Uh, at at minimum, that might be impractical to be able to recall that data because a company can say that they've recalled it, but then it still was used to train a data set or something. But oy, it's it's going to be a hard ten years as we now figure out how mm, do we how do we control all of this technology that could not have existed come to an existence if we did not have a hands off policy starting in the nineties. Yeah. But now that companies are making are worth a trillion dollars. It's probably okay for us to have expectations of what they have to do to be responsible members of society. <sighs> I feel like this is a good place to take another break. Yes. Nothing Maybe, but the, and yeah. <laughs> it's the lighter side of the news coming up. <laughs> nothing to make us panic or worry whatsoever. No. We're, we're not panicking. We're just We're not panicking, but you know, it's, it, we're having it's Wednesday. It's a hard day to begin with. Okay. We're listen, not in a good we're mood. having we're having Rubio's tea in my garage. We're in uh, we're in an old brutalist part of Eastern Europe. Okay, uh, we're in my garage. It's very poorly insulated, so we're wearing layers, and we're just talking. We're just talking about the state of the world. Andy? We're enjoying a General Foods International coffee, <laughs> reminiscing about that time in Paris, John Luke. I've actually never been to Paris, just mm. for the record. <sighs> anyway. Ad type, so maybe you know, I can go never, to Paris. You've, 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 never, you've never seen the General Foods International coffee ad involved. Yes, I have. Okay. Those were all over the TV when I was a kid. Okay, good. I feel less old. Okay, let's go to the commercial. This episode of Material is brought to you by Willow Tree. Willow Tree is a mobile innovation agency that creates products for Pepsi, HBO, American Express, and more. And listen up, they are hiring. 
If you need a new challenge, a fresh start, or just the next career step, this ad is for you. Listen up. The Willow Tree team has launched over 500 apps, websites, and bots that impact millions of users. So this is your chance to be a part of something really big. They believe diverse teams create the best products, and not only do they have a rating of 4.8 out of 5 on Glassdoor, they were voted the best place to work in tech by Glassdoor and Fortune. If you are a software engineer, iOS or Android, a designer, or a project manager, apply to join their team now at bit.ly slash willow tree material. That's one word. That's bit.ly slash willow tree material. Apply now or bookmark it for later so you can apply when it suits you. Or visit their careers page at www.willowtreeapps.com slash careers to view all openings. Our thanks to Willow Tree for their support of material and all of Relay FM. I like this piece of news. Uh, Google continues to expand its Google Go program. This is what they're talking about, uh, getting the next billion users uh, uh, on phones and on using the Internet, of making sure that people with crummy uh, crummy mobile broadband and less expensive, less powerful, or maybe old phones can still get access to like the latest Google apps and services. Or maybe throttled by Comcast. Or maybe throttled by Comcast. Yes. Good point. <laughs> Bastards. Uh <laughs> So uh, they've now added Google Go, uh, the uh, Google Search app, uh, to the uh, to the mix, and so this is a seven a seven megabyte version of like the Google app that you would down that you have on your Android phone or which you would download for your wow. for your iPhone. Uh, that nonetheless delivers a huge chunk of the standard Google app experience. Where yes, you get to Google search, but uh, you can also do voice search. You can also use Google Lens. It will read web pages out loud. Uh, you can, if it senses that you've got a crummy uh, mobile broadband connection, it will wait until you're near Wi-Fi and then hmm. collect all the do the Google search and collect all the stuff it needs to collect and present to you at that time. Uh, it's really really cool stuff, and it'll run on anything that runs Android five or later. So it's even a way to keep your old phone that is still working perfectly fine. And not, if you don't necessarily want to spend two hundred dollars on even a even a budget phone, because this is the only phone you have, which is very very uh, very very possible in, in the even in the U.S. even in basically no matter where you are in the entire world, uh, you got seven megs Android five or later. You get so much of what uh, makes Google part of a, this nutritious breakfast. So that's pretty good stuff. It's part. It's uh, on the Google Play Store. Uh, just like uh, Google Gallery and other stuff, you can actually download it and try it if you want. Uh, and maybe even when you find yourself traveling and you're on a really expensive data plan, mm -hmm. start doing your searches through this re this this app that treats you as though you are not made of money and you can't afford uh, I mean, $20 for extra megabyte. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the, the Google, the freelancer edition. Ah uh, yes, i I really like I really like what Google is doing with this. If only because it's uh, it's also a great example of how the the team is continually compressing all of this data that they want to give us access to. Because I just think about every time I ping the assistant in my car, for instance, and 
oftentimes the command doesn't work because, you know, it's it has to send the query to the cloud. It, like I imagine just having all of this localized, uh, making it a faster, faster service, a faster feature to use. Um, I I'm wondering, you know. What about living in the first world with these Go apps instead of the heavy-handed full megabyte downloads? Uh, it makes me think that might make for an interesting experiment, mm. you know? Yeah, and there, uh, it's, it should be clear that there are people all over the world that this will benefit. And, oh, absolutely, and yes. It's, it, you don't, it's, it's just such a good – it's such a good thing in general – to for Google to continue to resist this idea that oh let's always make things more more expensive let's make sure things require bigger CPU and more memory uh, and I'm not I'm not blind to this I under, I understand that uh, Google makes money the opposite way that Apple makes money where Apple mm-hmm. is financially has a best interest in making sure that you ditch the old hardware after two or three years uh, and to make sure that their services require lots and lots of speed and lots and lots of uh, resources and don't run on anything cheap. Whereas Google, they make money with every with every new phone, every phone that they can get some sort of Google service on, they make more money mm-hmm. from. So let's absolutely acknowledge that. But nonetheless, I also want to acknowledge that this is one of those times where the interests of a large corporation also intersect with the needs of a large segment of the population that are not necessarily being met correctly. Any, so it's 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 a good thing, and like I said, I encourage pretty much everybody to try out the Google Go apps. I still have the Google Gallery app installed, and I probably use it not as much as I use Google Photos, but maybe half as much because there are times where I just want to browse what's on device and without any confusion. I want to get there quickly, and the damn thing just works. <laughs> Uh, gets to the, gets to the answer, gets to the photo I want really, really quickly, and I appreciate that. Yeah, good on you, Google. Yes. Now, also, uh, last <laughs> we'll uh, wind up the show with uh, an example of good intentions uh, addressing a really important uh, problem. Sometimes having unanticipated uh, impact. Uh, so uh, apparently YouTube uh, recently adjusted its algorithms to identify uh, animal cruelty videos uh, better. They do a better job of that. So if there are. Whoopee. Yeah. So if there, so if there are uh, videos of uh, people abusing their dogs or dog fights or anything like that. Make sure we get that uh, we get that struck immediately as quickly as possible by these automated yeah. algorithms. Good for them. Uh, funny thing, though, uh, the reason why we know that they've been making these improvements is because these algorithms, these new algorithms, are also striking out robot fighting videos. So things like battle bots, <laughs> uh, things like robot wars, where people like build fighting robots. Uh, hey, these- some would say that's cruelty. Uh, it's cruelty to lithium-ion batteries, but the, <laughs> that's about it. Uh, so lots of channels are being struck down, and they're all and they're all getting uh, the same notice that recite like the same uh, the same violation uh, quote content that displays the deliberate infliction of animal suffering or the forcing of animals to fight is not allowed on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> 
which which would be which is funny to me and you because we don't have a channel that we're making money off of by yes. showing engineers building these fighting robots as as always uh, it's such a dangerous spot to stand in when you decide to make money off of youtube because an al- either an algorithm uh, can suddenly demonetize your entire channel or right. some jerk bastard who's found a way to exploit the the system can demonetize your channel. Uh, We won't get into that this week, but yeah, stuff like this. We suddenly find that, oh, I really thought that I was going to be getting a check for $11,000 this month based on the engagement and and draw of my videos. Uh, And now I find that I'm going to be shopping at the dented and expired can aisle of the supermarket (sighs) until I can get this faceless bureaucracy (sighs) to acknowledge that a robot is not a cute, adorable little doggo. Right. I'm, I mean, uh, I have a robot vacuum and I have one of the Neato robot vacuums, which they actually have a USB uh, connector so that you can debug and uh, effectively code the the little machine to to be controlled by you. Uh, and so I know that there is a community of folks who are really into like battle bots and they use, I know they use like robot vacuums or like a thing <laughs> that get hacked as, uh, as the drivers for these things. You know, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate YouTube's attempt at uh, kind of figuring out a way to wrangle in the problematic content. And I think if, this, if this proves anything, it's how difficult this is to do, especially now that there is so much content out there to sift through. You know what I mean? Um, because now you have to write this algorithm for things that already exist. So there's all this stuff that, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be any different if it was beforehand, but I don't know. I just, uh, you know, it's like trying to, to cage in a giant monster. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, as I I'm going from memory here, but I think that the last stat that I saw was that YouTube gets 500 hours of new video every minute, uh, and that's on, intense. And yeah, and on top of the uh, all the algorithms doing their automated work, there are 10,000 human beings like monitoring content and even even so, it absolutely is not enough. You can't. It's not possible to to <laughs> to moderate that kind of a of a fire hose of content coming in without big and bad mistakes happening so this is this is at least a almost a humorous one again if assuming that you're not relying on your battlebots videos for your livelihood in which case it's absolutely horrifying and terrible so yeah i was i mean go, go, getting back to us to what we were talking about at the top of this episode just uh, bookend mm. things uh, mm-hmm. i was third in line and it was a half hour before mr daniels was going to be at the table to autograph and only then did i find out that even though this is a very very like commercial sort of uh, process that there was a cash only proposition and that i really <laughs> expected that i would be able to use my phone or my card to pay cuz everybody everything i'd been paying for had been like a, every artist i've been buying like sketchbooks from and stuff yeah, was like square cat yeah <laughs> so i had to like run i rip, so I, and i i had to use one of those like porta potty style like uh, ATMs like that was in like the mm-hmm. exhibit hall and it screwed something up and my bank decided that hey I don't like that and locked my account 
because I thought that the there was something fraudulent going on because I was using a again this one of these urinal style <laughs> ATMs. So then I had to run out of the hall to find like a, a real bank <laughs> ATM. <laughs> And call and like uh, use my phone to like find out what the problem was and acknowledge that yes I did <sighs> attempt to to get hundred dollars out of this urinal style ATM I'm sorry I will go forth and that was definitely me managed to get back in line like five minutes before <laughs> with my cash five minutes before William Daniels having palpitations appeared. from this whole yeah. story so, by the way yeah it's like uh, why must things be so difficult? All I want is for William Daniels to autograph my 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 soundtrack LP of seventeen. Why is this so hard? Yeah, I understand. Uh, something that happens every single day. A cast member <laughs> of seventeen seventy six signing an LP. But yeah, these you're just hoping that you have a way to. Uh, so I, I so I'm saying I know what it is when you know that you you have money coming to you. You actually have earned money, but somehow you're being denied it unfairly at a time where you really really need that money. So don't so don't think I'm making light of your situation, BattleBots uh, channels people. <laughs> I know your pain. Ah, <sighs> pain. Well, we're 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 ending the show a little uh, early this week. Not a whole lot of like big big news happened this week. We are we are definitely in the the, the time where you know, Congress people oh, are wow. are vacationing. Everybody is not. We're we're still like a month away from phone releases. It's uh-huh. late August. We're in the run up to Labor Day. People are still trying to get the most out of their Weber grills, their hibachis, their big gas. Uh, therm, uh, Autumn thermo, is coming. Thermo King 8000. Yeah. So not a whole, even the, peop, the people who are creating and releasing great things and also the people who are creating malfeasance and chaos, both of them just want to stay in a hammock with a cool drink. So not as much to, to, not as much to talk about. Uh, but uh, we can talk about our special bonus episode of material, which we are recording in uh, five days time. Uh, this is Wednesday. We're going to be recording it next week, mm-hmm. and we'll be releasing it shortly thereafter. You can get in on this um, on uh, the um, the amazing uh, uh, glitter fountain that we're going to be producing uh, only for members of uh, the Relay Podcast member, Podcast Network. So, if you want to uh, get in on that giant waterfall of glitter and glamour that is the uh, the material podcast special membership episode, go to relay.fm/slash/membership. We're in the middle of doing our membership drive, uh, where becoming a member not only gives you access to our special episode, but all kinds of special content that everybody all across the grand family of relay podcasters is offering uh, as a matter of fact as a uh, as a bay area uh, member of the relay family i understand that you are uh, there's quite a social whirl as we get, uh, have a fifth anniversary celebrations for relay so you'll be having like hot dogs and hamburgers and mountain dew i'm guessing Yes, absolutely. Mountain Dew Code Red. Uh, and we'll also be on stage playing Family Feud with the Real FM family. So that should be. I'll let you know how that one goes, Andy. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm holding it down for team, team material. Although technically, there are no teams between the podcasts because we are all one happy family. 
Exactly. And we're, we're such a happy family that uh, I'm on the East Coast. I can't make it out. Uh, they, were, they are going to be calculating the cash equivalent of the barbecue stuff, uh, the plate of uh, chips and hot dogs, and sending me that check for, I think it comes down to $2.80. But mm-hmm. they, they told me it's important that they let me have that to make sure that I am not excluded, that I am just as important as anybody who lives in the Bay Area. Um, so... I'm looking forward to that. I don't know. I don't hey, know, it's very expensive to live here. Okay, we take free food wherever. We can. Exactly. <laughs> I, I would be dis- I would be disappointed as a fellow freelancer if you didn't like come with a bunch of Ziploc baggies. <laughs> oh, you know it, Andy. The same way I do every week at the Twit Studios. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. Again, every every time I'm in town and I do shows at Twit, there's going to be one or two. If you, if you, I have if you, a lot of snack coverage. I'm, I'm saying that if you're expecting to, if uh, if you work there, and you think, hey, I really needed 11 cokes. There was like 18 just a moment ago. Oh, that's right. Andy was here, and he pretty much filled his bag with a half dozen cokes. Yeah, that's that's definitely going to happen. You can expect that to happen. Uh, but once again, uh, support us. There's all kinds of levels of membership, uh, and every time that you kick in a little bit something uh, to uh, help support uh, Relay FM, you really are putting smiles on their face, on our faces, in addition to money in our pockets because. Uh, we we appreciate everybody who is just kind enough to listen every single week. Uh, some of you uh, are able to also say, hey, here's some money. Thanks for doing stuff that we like. Um, that, uh, again, tagging into the theme of the show of, uh, of Comic-Con, my favorite thing is not just uh, not just taking pictures of people in costume, uh, not even just getting to meet some of my favorite writers and artists, but they might have a sketchbook. It's 20 bucks of just uh, like convention sketches they've done in the past. I don't necessarily need it, but I like putting $20 in their pocket. I like the idea that on when they fly home on Monday, if they when they're buying a muffin and a coffee at Logan Airport, it might be my $20 bill. Uh, that they're using to pay for that, and uh, it's a it's it's very very nice of all of you when you decide to do that. We definitely appreciate it. we appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, yes, we do. But this is an op- this is an opportunity for those who can and who want to uh, to kick in a little extra, and we appreciate that as well. Uh, so, <laughs> Flo, anything you'd like to pitch? Anything you'd like to plug? Anything you'd like to call people's attention to uh, for the next week? Eh, for the intersection of those who are interested in gaming laptops, my uh, my assessments have finally gone up on Reviewed.com. You can just go into the Googs and uh, look for Reviewed.com best gaming laptops, and you will see the round the round down for the best gaming laptops of all and the best under one thousand. So do check out that the fruits of my hard work. Thank you. <laughs> Lovely. Um, once again, I'm on uh, uh, WGBH, Boston Public Radio, Boston's NPR, Boston's local NPR. On Friday, uh, if you're listening to this in, on time for the usual week long uh, weekly roundup of tech news and things that I think they're kind of important, uh, I think that I'm on at 11.30 a.m. on Friday this week. Um, if you go check out my Twitter at Anatgo, I'll probably be able to give you make sure that I uh, that I uh, that I confirm that with all of you. Uh, but you can listen to it live at wgbhnews.org, where it will be streaming, or you can listen to it later, where they will have archived the stream uh, later on that day. Or because we're doing it at the uh, radio studios at the Boston Public Library, if you're going to be in if you're in Boston, by all means. Uh, it's a, at the Newsfeed Cafe next to the studio. You can get a coffee, a sandwich, a cookie, uh, and watch us 
uh, create our little visual theater of the air. You can look behind the glitter canvas and see how we create wonderful tech radio. So that's that's cool stuff to to, to look at. Um, other than that, uh, go to Anatko on Twitter, Anatko on Instagram, Anatko.com for my blog, all that sort of stuff. Well, that's going to wrap it up for material this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's show. We hope you listen again next week. And until then, have an awesome seven days. Bye. <laughs>